Unlock the past and safeguard your memories with ScanMyPhotos.com. Here's our special promo code, GoDigital, to get a whopping up to 50% off your photo scanning order. Don't let your cherished moments fade away. Digitize them now with precision and care. Whether it's old slides, photos, or films, bring them into the digital age and relive those precious memories. This is an affiliate promotion, meaning we may earn a commission if you take advantage of this fantastic deal. Act fast, preserve your history, and save big with Go Digital at ScanMyPhotos.com. Hi, I'm Maureen Taylor, the photo detective. I really love family photographs, all of them. From the mystery images you find in shoeboxes and albums, to the pictures you snap with your digital devices. No mystery is too small. A simple question about an image can lead to new stories of your ancestors. This means you can count on me to help you identify the people in them, offer solutions for preserving and organizing them, and yes, even guide you in the various ways to gather and share picture stories with your relatives. My guest today is Nancy Desmond, co-founder of MemoryWeb.me, and if you know me, then you know that I love MemoryWeb and that I use it on my phone and in the cloud. But Nancy has taught me a lot about organizing photographs before scanning them, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But Nancy, you want to tell us a little bit of something about yourself? Um, Sure. I'm one of the co-founders, as you mentioned, of uh, MemoryWeb, and it's a platform that we built to really help family historians capture photos and details in a way that stay with them forever and make sure that that it can be passed on to future generations. So I think you and I and, you know, so many others in our industry, we all speak the same language about preservation and memories. Exactly. So my clients... And your customers often come to us with questions and they say, okay, I need to scan my photographs. How am I going to scan them? But more importantly, we don't want them to just take a big box of photographs and just scan them one after another. We want to organize them before they scan them so that when you sync them with the app or you upload them to the app, Mm -hmm. everything is in the same file structure. So Let's go with how that looks like. So you have someone approaches you. I'm going to be your client. And I'm going to say, Nancy, I have three shoeboxes of photographs. How do I get them into the Memory Web app? And what's the best way for me to do that? Gotcha. And that's a great question. That's such a real life scenario for us and, and you, I'm sure, all the time. So what I would recommend is if you've got three shoeboxes of things, I'd, I'd go through them and I'd start first by sorting them. Do you just have photos or do you have other things like maybe programs or vital records or tickets and things? I think, do you call, I'm going to say this. Ephemera. Thank you. <laughs> you. You saved me for myself. Ephemera. So if you have things like that, I would probably set those aside separately because they would be scanned slightly differently than the uh, the photos themselves. Not so much in terms of resolution, but just in how you would place them on a scanner because they're different sizes. And then I would work with the photos and I would try to find really kind of think of it like as nesting dolls. And this works, I think, both 
the analogy for the physical photos, as well as the folders that you'll then create on your on your computer. But take those photos and work from the largest group down. So you may have them from lots of different eras, from lots of different sides of your family. And then also maybe even just those like kind of unknown, but you don't want to get rid of photos. And as Maureen says, never, ever, ever get rid of photos <laughs> because they may, you know, all of a sudden you might find out what they actually are and they might be significant. So keep them. So work into buckets where if if you have like the largest bucket would be from, let's say a family line, let's, let's say the Jones line, and you have 200 photos out of these shoe boxes from, clearly you can identify it's from that family group. Put those all, all those 200 in one section and then work within that, that group. Can you organize them by the next largest group? Is that like a section of time? Is it from the 1900s or is the next largest group actually for a particular family member or line of that Jones family and try to just break it down into those chunks. And as you do that, what you can do is kind of create, I think, different um, albums or different segments of it that would make sense to keep together because they're related in some way, either by anchored by these people or anchored by a period of time. And then as you have these different sections of photos, I would put a card, a note card or a piece of paper. It doesn't have to be anything fancy and just write what that group represents. Maybe it's the Jones family from the 1950s is this chunk of photos. And as you go to scan each chunk of those photos, make sure you actually scan that note card first, because that way you know that all the photos that are coming after that are for the Jones family from the 1950s. And this will help you once you've actually digitized those images, because then you can take those images. And as you sort through them, you'll see the note card that says Jones photos, 1950s. And I would also write down the number of photos, say 20 photos. And then you can take those and actually put them into a folder on your computer that says what that note card said. And so you've organized those already into a neat batch that lets you quickly know where to find those and on your computer. Well, you can. So what you're trying to do is organize into small groups, if yes. possible. Yep. So within the Jones families, you have 200 images, and then you know some of them are from the 1920s and some of them from the 1930s. Mm-hmm. And then maybe you have Jones family photos all the way up to, you know, I don't know, print photos up to about 2000 even. Mm-hmm. And you have Aunt Susie's wedding and, you know, Uncle Al's wedding. Those can be groups and folders as well. So subfolders. Absolutely. Yes. And if you don't know if it's from, if it's from that unknown collection and you have no idea what line of family or who it belongs to those photos, you can organize it pro- roughly by date too. If it's chunks of time where you can identify, identify, this looks like it's from the, like the 1930s to 1940s, you could organize them just by that date and family unknown. Yeah. I mean, this system falls into that rule of thumb, right? Touch something once mm-hmm. and then file it. <laughs> So by sorting all of the real stuff first into folders, you're actually filing them as well and then scanning them. And so you have your your paper files go with what you have on your Mm -hmm. digital folders. Absolutely. And those folders, depending on where you store them, definitely on your computer, they will be preserved in your folder structure. But there's other places if you were to save them on Google Drive or Dropbox or other platforms would also allow you to take the same folders with those names and preserve them. And then 
our company as well, MemoryWeb will do that. But there are platforms that will allow you to keep that so that it's a nice way to have that continuity across all the places that you may store your files or use them. Yeah, I mean, it's it makes a lot of sense. And it's the most important first step is the sorting. Absolutely. And then you have lots of tips on how to actually digitize them in a way that it has the highest resolution and preserve them as well. But sorting them really, if you spend a little bit of time up front to, to batch them, it really can save you a ton of time, both in the scanning process and then also in the organizing process down the road once they're digitized. Yeah, I mean, I recommend that people use a flatbed scan. I like to scan at about 600 to 1200 DPI as a TIFF file, and you can pretty much only get that with a flatbed scanner. There's a, a new group coming along that talks about camera scanning, which is basically using your phone to take pictures of your pictures, which is fine if you have something oversized that doesn't fit on the scanner, you can do that mm-hmm. too. But all of that can go within that file structure that you've created. Now, do you recommend, I'm a paper-based person still, Do you? <laughs> I can't help it. So do you recommend that people create sort of a an outline on paper or on a, you know, in a Word document first, just to make sure that their file structure works? Because you're going to have Jones family as a file folder, right? The main folder Mm -hmm. and then subfolders amongst that. So maybe in the main Jones folder, you'll have all these oversized or group pictures, maybe even a subfolder for unknown Joneses Mm -hmm. and then the Joneses weddings and then by decade, if you know the decade, is that what you're talking about? Sort of a main folder and then subfolders. Exactly. So it's like that nesting doll structure. So you've got the big one, which is that Jones family. And then underneath you have different um, folders and some will nest underneath um, each other, but some will just be side by side, you know, or at the same level. Just depends on how many photos and what kinds of photos you have. So the benefit of this is not only organizing the real stuff and your scans, but then when you upload your files into a digital photo organizer, like memory web, that Mm -hmm. file structure stays the same. Correct. And then all of a sudden they become albums with that same name structure that you have. So it's really nice. That whole portability concept is just really nice. And it saves you a lot of work and also headache because you know what your things are called and you can find them very easily. And not only that, but I believe you can batch tag. Yes, sure. Yes. Yeah. In in our platform, you can definitely do that. It's really nice um, to be able to do that. And also, you know, things like facial recognition can really help you out too, because if you haven't identified somebody, or maybe you haven't identified all the photos that somebody is in facial recognition, it's, it's kind of uncanny. It can start grabbing photos that you didn't realize that that person way, way, way in the back of the corner is actually Uncle Bob. You just couldn't see, you know, his face as clearly or as large as as the other photos. And so you weren't sure, but facial recognition can pick it up. Right. So the way the facial recognition works is you have to have what, at least three photographs of a person that you've identified Correct. At least three good ones. So something where the face is really clearly defined. And then the algorithm starts learning from there and will then start to automatically tag faces to a person that match the, the blueprint of that face that you've already accepted. The, the, it front, up front, it will scan the photos and it will present groups of faces that we believe are the same person. And you can, at that point, accept or reject if somebody is in there that is actually not that person, you can kick it out of the group and then say, yes, the rest of these are that person. 
And then once, as you said, you have enough clear examples, which is usually about three to five, then the platform can start automatically tagging for you. And there may be some variation where you may need to have a few baby photos versus older photos in order to make sure you get the entire lifespan. But sometimes the person will look so similar as a baby that it's easy to tag them throughout every point of their life. And the other feature that's new to Memory Web which is kind of cool. So say you are, you've decided to sort all your photographs and you put them down, you scan them, you've got 200 of them. It might not be possible to remember all 200 and you have another copy of that snapshot in one of your other piles and you've forgotten that you have that snapshot and you scan that and you upload that to your memory web. You now have a duplicate finder. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. And in your scenario that we were just talking about, like what happens a lot too, is that somebody may have originally scanned something at a very low resolution. And then they hear one of your presentations and say, oh no, I need to scan this at 600 DPI and as a TIFF. And so then they'll go back and scan the exact same photo. So it's the same photo, just a crisper resolution. And they have multiple copies of that. So that's, that's our real world scenario as well. And so now we have a duplicate finder that will identify photos based off of the actual image itself. So it doesn't matter what the image is called. It's actually looking at the image itself and will say, hey, you have these two photos or three or five, whatever it may be which copy of this do you want to keep? And we'll give you information so that you can help make the best choice about which file. Like it will tell you which one's a TIFF, which one's a JPEG, what the sizes are. So that way you can say, oh, I definitely want to keep this TIFF because it's the higher resolution photo. But then after that, the really cool thing is that if you've actually added information to all the files that are in this duplicate group, you can actually choose through this um, metadata dashboard, which information to keep. You can choose what file name you can, if there's multiple captions, you can choose which caption people, all those criteria. And if for some reason you haven't actually added a caption or you have a file name, that's just like a scan number that you don't like, and you want to have a, a better, more logical name based off of what Maureen would recommend, you can actually edit that too, add or edit um, at that point. So as you're merging and keeping just the one image, you can preserve all that metadata or add new stuff. And if you're wondering if it works, let me just tell you that I ran the duplicate finder on my personal memory web account. And I don't even want to discuss how many duplicates I have of certain (laughs) photographs that I have scanned again and again for different presentations. And they're all there. And now I have to dig through them all and clean up the files. And that'll clean up my memory web files, but then it's up to me to clean up the files actually on my computer. Well, so I, I got my work cut out for me, Nancy. There's <laughs> <laughs> absolutely no doubt. I just, I have to, I have to block out a few days for that. The other thing about albums, and this is a question that comes from my clients often is, okay, so how do I file them? We've discussed that going to create a file structure on the on your computer that mimics what you have in real life then there's some misunderstanding about what you can do with those albums once you're in a digital photo organizer there's the belief that okay well you have one real photo folder so you should maybe only have one real album folder on your computer as well. And maybe that's true. But once you put those images into a digital photo organizer, you can create as many albums as you want just by tagging the people or using keywords. And that to me is so cool. So 
I have tagged in my family collection, like all the people that I know, and I've created a separate album for each person as Nancy advised me to do. And so now when I want to find a picture of my grandmother, because I tagged all the pictures of her, I'm not digging through mountains of digital images to try to find them. I just search her name and they all come up. And then I just pick the one I want. That's really nice. <laughs> it's so nice. <laughs> it's helpful. And and to your point about multiple albums, like I just had a real world example of that last month. My sister-in-law is having a baby and she was having a baby shower and we needed to put together a slideshow. And so we were able to look at photos of her, of her husband, and then also grab photos from their wedding album and, you know, from her birthday and his birthday. So we had all these different albums that we could search on and find the best photos to create a brand new album to use at this particular event. And now that's saved for the future, but there's no reason why you can't create all these different albums because they're different cuts of photos that you want to put together and mix and match. Yeah, it's so easy. Mm-hmm. So easy. So easy. Those days of making a real photo folder and then you need a picture and then you have to go through all of those folders again to find that exact picture that you wanted. Those days are gone. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're organized, yes. if you create those folders, create the digital folders, scan everything at the right resolution, and then create as many named albums for as many. So if you have a group portrait, say of 15 people, you can create a digital album within your digital photo organizer of different album. I'm going to put quotation marks around that Mm -hmm. for each and every person that's in that group portrait. So no more do you have to wonder, well, which group portrait is Uncle Alan? You can just search him. Yeah, it's it's, it's very helpful. Very So helpful. Anything else that people ask you about file structure and portability. Well, metadata, of course. Metadata. Yes. You, so you definitely want to add information to photos in a way that will stay with it. So we've talked about the file folder names can be used across multiple platforms in, in many instances. File names themselves tend to be portable, but I would just recommend that if you're looking to actually organize the photos themselves and add information, just test out whatever organizing platform you're using in advance and make sure that it meets your needs. That if you want to make sure that people's names are still captured when you export a photo outside of that platform, test it out ahead of time before you invest um, time actually organizing your photos. And I know you've got a cheat sheet that gives steps on actually how to do that if people wanted to to use that to be able to test platforms out. But that's that's a big recommendation we have in terms of metadata is just make sure you evaluate a platform ahead of time to see that it supports your needs. Yeah. And anyone that wants that cheat sheet just needs to email me at photodetective at maureentaylor.com and I'd be happy to send it to you. As far as file naming goes, I tend to name my files, you know, if I'm just doing a big group, I tend to do them in number order within 001, 002, just so they're separate. But then I can go back in and rename them with last name, underscore, first name, underscore, middle name. Then I usually use a B for born. If I know when they were born, you can even just put an approximate. And then a D for the date of when I think the picture was taken. And that gets you pretty far. I mean, sometimes if you have multiple images of the same person on the same day, you might have to say, you know, 
point one or not point one, underscore one, underscore two, underscore three, so that you keep them all separate. But mostly the structure works. That's great. That just reminds me of a tip you had once as well, too, that I, I remember you recommending about writing on the back of the photo as you're scanning it and numbering it. You had a specific way to do that. Can you remind me? Yeah. So I use a 6B pencil and that works on the back of all heritage photos, meaning not a snapshot with a resin coated coating on it, which you can tell has sort of plastic coating. That's something different. We have to talk about that separately. But any heritage photos that don't have that plastic coating, my days as a curator, what we used to do is write on the upper, the top of the image, really small with like a 6B or 8B pencil. And I like these because you can sharpen them in a regular pencil sharpener. And then we put a little number, the whole thing. But there's a number of ways you can scan images. You can scan them front and back and link them inside memory web. So you can put all the information on the back Mm -hmm. and then scan the front and back and link them within the memory web platform. Some people even put all of the information they have on a picture on a card with the image above it, and then they scan the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But if you're using a digital photo organizer, you kind of don't need to do that (laughs) because you're (laughs) going to embed that information Mm -hmm. with metadata, but it varies quite a bit. It's true. Oh, and and one thing too, since you were just speaking of memory web and the metadata and having that information, if you ever needed to take a photo out of the platform, and as we've talked about in other forums, not every platform reads the metadata these days. It's moving towards that, which is a great thing, but there are still many platforms that don't read the metadata. You can actually export photos that have what we call a memory stamp on them. And that's you choose which pieces of information you want to have exported actually on the image. It's it's not on top of your image, but it's directly below it. And you can see if you want the caption, if you want the date, if you want even a contributed by so that they know that you're the owner of that photo, it is part of the image. So you could post it onto a platform that doesn't read the metadata and you don't have to rekey all that information. Well, that's one of my favorite features because my handwriting is pretty much illegible. <laughs> My handwriting is unreadable to anyone but myself. And so writing on the back of the photograph is probably not the best move for me in most cases, but having the ability to then type it into the image file and then download it with that information just below the image, but embedded in that image file uh, makes a lot of sense. And it's it's really easy to share that way because there are a lot of genealogy programs that don't read metadata, but this is a workaround for that. Yeah, that's what we're... We're not going to say which platforms, but no, no. <laughs> we're going to say that if you're going to upload something to one of the major players, then when you export your images from memory web, there's an option for you. Do you want to export with the data or not? If you select yes, then that information will be visible and you can upload that photograph to your favorite platform. And it's always inside your file. It's just, it's not as functional if you put it someplace that doesn't actually read it. So that's what the memory stamp helps work around, like you said. Right. So Nancy and I do periodic presentations on various photo organizing topics. And we haven't, we're doing one, or we have done one by the time this airs in June, which you'll be able to see on the savemetadata.org Facebook page. I think it's the Family History Metadata 
group right now still on YouTube. We need to change that. <laughs> we need to change that. But the group is now called Save Metadata. And so we do presentations. If you have any other questions, feel free to email me, photodetective at MaureenTaylor.com. And Nancy, your email is? At Nancy D, as in dog, at memoryweb.me. All right. Well, we want to see some really organized photo projects. So send us some pictures. Show us what you're working on. Sort those images and uh, ask us for advice. So thank you very much for joining me today, Nancy. Thanks, Maureen. It's always fun to chat. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it on social media, leave me a rating and a review. And if you know of a friend or family member who's also interested in family photographs, share this episode with them too. See you next time. I'm thrilled to be offering something new. Photo Investigations. These collaborative one-on-one sessions look at your family photos. You and I meet to discuss your mystery images and find out how each clue and hint might contribute to your family history. And trust me, these images can reveal so much in your research. I have decades of experience in the photo, genealogy, and history industries. This is your chance to learn from me and discover the stories in your family images. You can find out more by going to MaureenTaylor.com and clicking on Family Photo Investigations.